Welcome back to the Inner Peace Podcast. I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. Um, and this prayer is a little bit different. Um, on my YouTube channel, I had a guest um, who was Muslim um, about maybe six to eight months ago. And he said this prayer. And it was from the beginning of the Quran. And it was so gorgeous to me. And um, I said I was going to steal it. <laughs> I'm going to steal it. And I'm going to change it a little bit and tweak it. So that is more fitting um, to be prayed. Um you know, by me, who is a devout Christian, who is dedicated to her, her relationship with the Most High. So here we go. In the name of the Most High, the most compassionate and merciful, praise be to the Most High, Lord of Lords, Lord of the world, the most compassionate and merciful master of the day of judgment. To you we worship, and from you we seek help. Guide us upon the straight paths, the paths of those who you have blessed, not of those who incur wrath, nor of those who are astray. And I pray these things in the most high. His name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And so thank you for joining me this morning. Um I know it's quite early. Um where I am at 624 and uh, I've been up for a little bit of a a little bit of time and I wanted to come back before you guys to talk today about the heart of God and pain. And over the past few weeks, I've been creating these Bible studies um, to study with a friend of mine. And you know, because he wanted to learn more about God and he entrusted me with that um, opportunity. And I took it upon myself and I've been praying about it. Um, that guy really give me the ability to separate myself and my emotions and how I see the situation from the message that he would have me to to deliver and the things that he would have me to show to my friend and um in doing so in creating this lessons I've been learning a lot about a lot more about the heart of God that you know I didn't necessarily know before and the perspective that I've seen um, as of late is that there is no pain that we can ever experience that God has not felt first. And I'm not talking about um, Christ necessarily. I'm talking about God um, as in the I am that is mentioned in the Old Testament, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Um, and... I think that is really profound to really acknowledge and I think it's important to really accept when it comes to dealing with life and moving about your way, you know, in your everyday experiences and with people and in relationships and friendships and work. Pain is a part of life. There is no process, no path, no point that you reach in life to where pain stops and to where Pain is just not included in your path anymore until you get to the end, until you return to God. And I think that is something that um, I needed to accept and I really needed to see full circle and, and really look and see in, in different situations that I see around the world. Um, I think there's a part of us, of course, I know there's the eternal part of us that is God given because you know we eventually will pass on 
and that part of us will return to God and he will decide, you know, what is and what isn't. But aside from that, there are so many aspects of us that um believe that our happiness should be permanent and there's something that we can do or achieve or seek out that will give us or afford or afford us that permanence in our happiness and that that permanence in our um, contentment and it's just there may be long stints there may be short stints there may be years there may be months there may be days there may be hours of happiness there may be you know the ladder of pain but there's just not a point that you get to to where you just get to coast and just be happily ever after i don't care if you're married i don't care if you're single um it doesn't matter i don't care if you have kids i don't care if you don't um it pain and difficulty and strife is present at every level in every experience no matter what. And um, like I said, the past couple of weeks, the Bible study that I've been doing and um, the topics that I've been covering have really shown me how much pain that God himself has had to experience through creation. And um, I'm going all the way back to the beginning. The first Bible study lesson that I did, and I'm, of course, just skimming over it, um, just to pull out the highlights and the high points that are relevant to this episode. Um, going back to the beginning, you know, so I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Most highest spirit. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the world, and all the stars were born. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. And I am said unto Moses that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say until the children of Israel, I am have sent you have sent me unto you. Continuing in the beginning was a word. The word was with I am and the word was I am the same as the beginning with I am. The word is a God breathe is God breathed, I'm sorry, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of the most high may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it was said, Let us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, over every creeping thing that crept on the earth. So the Most High created man in his own image. In the, in the image of the Most High created he him. Male and female created he them. So in the beginning, you know, God created Adam and Eve. And in that creation of Adam, there was a point of intimacy that I think I've overlooked for a long time um, that existed between God and Adam. And when I say intimacy, I mean closeness. It was just god with adam um the the bible says that god walked with adam in the cool of the day 
and there was a relationship there um a continuous one and i know um the way the bible's written he said you know the earth was created in seven days and there is no time attached to the amount of time that adam spent alone with god first and foremost um just doing his thing and just having that relationship and that you know opportunity to be one with god and i just think about that like in real time what that must have been like and i also had to think about the way that god created adam god didn't create adam in the way that benefited him in every aspect god gave adam human capability god gave adam the opportunity to think and the ability to think god gave adam the um responsibility of you know naming the animals and he had authority in the garden of eden first he put him there first he assigned him to the garden to keep the garden and it it wasn't just you know him creating adam for a job per se he created adam with purpose he was the the first man he was the first to come and you know i i'm just really trying to put myself in that frame of mind of being the first that was with god to have had the opportunity to speak to god had direct access to god could have asked anything and god laid out the ground rules god set his boundaries up front um to say that you can have anything in this garden you can ask me for anything you have access to everything whatever you want to do live and move and have your being here but just do not i mean do not touch this one tree when you eat of it you shall surely die gave him everything but that one thing was off limits and he gave him everything that he needed he gave him food he gave him um a partner he gave him a purpose he had relationship he had everything he needed and in being the first in being that initial creation in being made in god's image and not necessarily his likeness not necessarily his mind not being made in the image of his heart but his image he had the ability to choose whether or not he would continue forward in the purpose in the instructions and follow the boundaries that were given to him by the most high where he could deviate and move according to his choice and what he felt was right and of course we all know the story continues to where eve was born eve also knew the law eve was a part of adam and i know there are many versions of the bible that will leave people to believe that that wasn't the case but if you create a being from a being that had the word in that being to me it is understood that eve knew what the word was and she had access to finding out now the bible may not constitute and um necessarily display a conversation that that was had i read the new living translation of the bible and in that translation it says that eve knew the law and i believe that to be true as well and so because she was a part of adam i i believe that there was a curiosity in adam that existed when god told him not to touch that tree there had to be 
even though he knew what the word was, he said, okay. And he himself stayed away from it. But I just believe deep down in his heart of hearts, because that's what the Bible says, that which a man thinketh, so is he. And out of the heart flows the issues of life. That's where that idea started. And so when it came to fruition and everything went down and occurred and he received it from Eve, it was indirect. It wasn't him necessarily making that choice firsthand, but he still partook of it. He knew what that fruit looked like. He was able to identify what it was and where it came from before Eve knew and probably had a better understanding of what it was before Eve got there. And he partook of it, stepped into it, decided to eat it anyway, decided to make that decision to not respect the Lord's boundaries, to disrespect the order, to disregard his instructions, and to follow through with his own desire. And so in this Bible study, I continued forward, you know, over the past couple of weeks. And I went to David, which was described to be a man who was after God's own heart. Um, started following God at the age of 10. He was a shepherd. His father, Jesse, very man, very uh, a man of very noble character, raised very well. David was the grandson of... Ruth and Boaz was the first son of Jesse and his wife. I don't know Jesse's wife, but I know Jesse had one wife. Boaz had one wife, which was Ruth. David initially walked with God. He knew God just like Adam. He had the opportunity to be alone with God. In Psalms, it speaks of, you are my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside green pastures and quiet waters. There was an intimacy there. Same thing occurred again. David was promoted by Saul to be his armor bearer because of his, you know, his gift with music. David marries one of Saul's daughter, daughters in addition to many other women and in the beginning, if you go back to the Old Testament, there was a verse in the Bible, and I have to go back to my notes. Bear with me here. Leviticus 18.3. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord, your, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Um, and so this is not something that was directly addressed immediately in Psalms or in the story of David um, by the authors of the Bible. But this is more so something that I discovered through um, what's called precepting and just putting verses together. And so like I just did going back to Leviticus, that was God's instruction to 
the Israelites and David was indeed an Israelite. He was the eventually the king of Israel and he took on many wives, um, which was not of God. And I know so many people bring this up as a point to say that, you know, God allowed multiple wives in the Old Testament. And so it must be okay. No, God allowed a lot of things to happen. God allowed Adam to eat that apple. God allowed um, Abraham to disobey the instructions and um, sleep with a side piece <laughs> um, and have a child. You know, and instead of following instructions and believing in the prophecy that he was given, um, that Sarah would give him a child, he tried to do it himself. He allowed a lot of things in, to happen to occur in the Old Testament in order to, in my understanding, to fulfill the story, in order for us to be able to see what happened, to give the, the story context. If, if the Lord only included a rule book in the Bible, he only gave us the commandments in the Bible and the Ark of the Covenant. And I don't think it would be any different um, from what we have today in the laws that we have in the society. I don't think we would be able to connect to it as much, but I think we have to be able to see um, the error and the path and the habits of human beings that existed before us in the Bible in order to understand what God went through first and foremost and then on after that to be able to understand God's heart and understand why what our relationship must be like and how close we must be and the mistakes that people have made previously saying all that to say David like I said took on many wives I believe that was his first mistake God never directly checked him about it because he already David had the Ark of the Covenant David knew the law David moved the Ark of the Covenant from where it was to um, its new residence in place. And I'm not that good on the geography of the Bible as of right now, but I understand that David knew the law. He was the king. He was the one who gave um, permission. He had authority. He was the one who made decisions. And so when the situation occurred with David and Bathsheba, and David and the multiple wives. That was another instance of, again, God allowing David to make his own decisions. Not God stamping this behavior as what's okay and what's not. He gave David the opportunity to choose his fate. Choose his destiny. Choose his own path, just like he gave Adam. He didn't approve for Adam to eat of that tree. He told him what it was. And I, I believe that... Um is evidence of God allowing us to say, hey, I love you, and this is what I expect from you. This is what I want from you. But you make your own decisions. God is a father. And at the end of the day, he understands that we're going to make mistakes. He understands that we're going to learn. God is a teacher. God is a helper. He's many things. He's whatever we allow him to be. And he can only be what we allow him to be. He's restricted to our autonomy. And so many times in the things that we have experienced in our lives, in the pain that we experience, many times the pains that we experience, not all of them, many times at the pains that we experience in this life, 
are the fault of our own. They are a result of our decision making. They are a result of what we chose. And it hurts the same. And it feels like we've been wronged. It feels like many times, even though it is our fault, that somebody else should be responsible for making this right. We made those decisions. We stray from the path. And in the process, we call separation. And I think about, again, putting this, these biblical um, examples and experiences in real time. If I was in a relationship with somebody, hypothetically a son or a daughter, and I gave my son or daughter instructions, I had a close relationship with what I thought was close, and my mind was close with this daughter or son of mine. Blessed my son, gave my son or daughter everything he or she needed. Provided all that. And then I found out one day that my son or daughter had betrayed me. The first feeling I would feel was hurt. Second, probably would be betrayed. Um, just because I'm telling you the way I think and how I feel and who I am. Third would be, I, I would, what does that feel? What is that feeling? It would be... How could you? We must not be that close. You must not love me. You must not see me the way I see you. You must not value this relationship the way that I value this relationship. And I know for a fact that God must have had these thought processes in reading these stories and understanding the processes and things that people went through. Because I can see it in the words that God spoke after the fact. If I were to go to my notes, we only read what we saw. That's in my lesson, too. Hold on, y'all. Hopefully, y'all don't hear my computer fan in the background. Okay, here, I'm use my phone because it's in my phone. We only read what we saw was the second um, or third, second or third lesson that I've created. And this was God's response to David's sin. Now, therefore, shall the sword never depart from your house because you have, have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah and Hittite to be your wife. This is what the Lord says out of your household. I am going to bring calamity upon you before your very eyes. I will take your wives and give them to those who are close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did in secret, but I will do it. Do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied to the Lord has taken the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because you but because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt. The son born to you will die. 
And that was the firstborn son of Bathsheba and David um, that was being referenced there. And after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. And so again, his firstborn was born, but died. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into the house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The Lord of his household stood beside him to get up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food um, with him. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought while the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. He can, how can we tell him this child is dead? He may um, do something desperate. God forgave David after he repented, but David's purpose was changed because of what he had done. And I don't think that we understand when I say we myself included, I mean, all of us, the listeners, the world, we understand the magnitude of our decisions, just like when Adam made the decision to eat that fruit it wasn't just him betraying god i mean because god could have just been like okay well you ate the fruit okay you know you're bad i forgive you blah, blah, blah. but he was like no he put him and his wife out the garden it changed the path of his future completely he was no longer allowed in the garden he was separated from his gift he was separated from his initial blessing he was separated from what god initially and originally bestowed upon him and his wife and he never gave it back to him never gave it back and I, I see so many things around social media um the memes that say well what is for what god has for you is for you um it, listen that's true to a certain point of disobedience and i'm understanding that now it's true to a certain point of disobedience not to say that god won't restore you later on and give you you know, something different or reward you for being faithful continuously in the future. It's not to say that I'm not saying that he won't bless you again, but I am saying that there is a consequence behind making the wrong decisions that God does not take away. That is the iniquity. For a long time, for a couple of years, I have been fixated on the difference of sin and iniquity. Sin is forgiven. Sin is the act that you commit, but the iniquity is the result after sin, the remnant that comes after sin iniquity is what becomes generational curses it's iniquity is your sin showing up in your child's life when you have kids it's your bad habits that you didn't you know check and you where you were disobedient to god showing up in your kids and now it making your life hard that is a direct result of you that is a direct re result of god's pain god's heart being betrayed god's heart being broken you going back on your word you compromising on the relationship that you have with god for the sake of something else you will experience pain we will experience pain period because if god does not have the capacity to be able to escape pain in relationship with us how can we ever expect to be able to escape pain or live a life without pain? I've always heard people say, why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? This is why. Because of sin. Because of the curse of Adam. Because of what initially happened. I get it. 
we cry, things happen, lives are lost, blessings are forfeited, choices are made. There are consequences that are attached to everything. Just like Newton's law, every action has a reaction. What's in motion wants to stay in motion, and it will. When we make decisions, when we make choices, we put different paths into motion. We automatically set off processes that separate us from what God originally planned for us to have. And for so long, I've been attending churches. And I'm not trying to damn any church. I'm not. And so please hear me out. I'm just saying that to be 39 years old now and to have experience what church is like, you go there, you get the sermon, you, you, you know, hear the music and you hear something that excites you and it, it tells you about purpose and it tells you about the prosperity gospel, but you never hear this. And if I would have heard this years ago, I promise you my life would have been entirely different. If I would have heard this when I first heard the word of God, when I was seven and eight and nine and ten about how every decision that I make separates me from God. When that decision is in disobedience of God's law. Every time I decide to do what I want to do, I separate myself further from the life that God has for me. And it's not to say like I can't be forgiven because I know salvation. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is yours because it says if you believe in Christ, you will be saved. That's that. But I'm saying that as far as the life that you experience on this earth, according to the word of God, as I see it now, every decision, every time we decide to be disobedient to God, we make another left turn, makes another detour. We can be whole again. We can be happy again. We can survive. We can't get time back. You can't. And I know it's a lot of things and people and things that would suggest that you had to go through what you went through in order to get to where you are right now in the point of understanding. And that may be true to some degree. But you also we also could have been obedient up front. We also could have just had faith and took God's word for it. And he would have made our path straight. Just like he says in his word, he will make our path straight. And I know it's not always clear in terms of decisions that we make in our everyday lives. You know, who to partner with, who to not. Things aren't always crystal clear, but we have the, we have the opportunity to pray and go to God about it. And first... Seek the word out to see what's in alignment with what God has said and what's not. There's so many different gods, small g, O-D-S, out here. There's so many different options you can choose. There's so many different things that you may be able to experience. There's so many options that you have. And God doesn't take away the options. God doesn't make you do anything that you don't want to do. He allows you to explore 
the nooks and crannies and the depths of your own heart. That's why I said his grace is sufficient. Yes, he will give you the opportunity to come to your own conclusions and to find out. It's to go through things and to take chances. But you are taking a risk that more than likely is not worth it when you decide to be disobedient to God. And I understand that wholeheartedly now. I'm now creating the next Bible lesson for the story of Solomon. Solomon was um, the direct descendant of David who took over the throne as a result of David um, making the decision that he did to sleep with Uriah's wife, kill Uriah, then marry Bathsheba, then continue to sleep with her. David could have turned from his sin at the moment he realized he was wrong for sleeping with Uriah's wife, but he kept going. He didn't have to kill Uriah. He could have confessed right there, dropped to his knees. But he changed the trajectory of everything. David had a son named Amnon. David had a daughter named Tamar. Amnon slept. Actually, he raped. Let me say it the way it, it, it is. Amnon raped Tamar. Amnon, who was an offspring of one of the wives that David had. Not one wife, but one of one of the wives. Amnon lusted after his own sister, his stepsister, of course, but still his sister. Slept with her, took her virginity, ruined her life. Absalom, also a sibling of Tamar and Amnon, caught wind of the news from Tamar, seen her crying, decided to facilitate um, a dinner to where he would take the opportunity to take Amnon's life because it was an unforgivable thing for him to not only lust after his sister but rape her so he killed Amnon Absalom himself was a man of war uh, one day he was out in the battlefield with his father David and in the battle he somehow became um, caught up in some trees got hung you know as the Bible says it um, and lost his life he was a, he was a casualty of of war, and so it put David in a position to where he didn't have a direct heir that was a um, that he saw was fit. He had many sons because he had many wives, but in what the Bible says, he felt as though he didn't have an heir. So eventually, after he married Bathsheba, after the whole you know situationship that occurred, and he eventually married her in spite of what God's law was. God's instructions were he had a second son um, named Solomon. Solomon had way too many women in his life, <laughs> way too many women. So, but I'm not going to skip ahead because I haven't yet created that lesson um, to completion. And I'm just saying all that to say I went ahead and read forward um, to see what happened and what the demise of Solomon was. And I'll just kind of leave that there. And let you take it upon yourself to read that. But I really want to impress upon everybody um, to look into the connection 
to disobedience or be between disobedience and pain. The Bible says in this life you will suffer. And that is just not suffering that happens by default. That is suffering that happens as a result of us making the wrong decisions. And that's learning our lessons. And of course, God is a father. He will always be our father. He will always be there to take his arm around us and bring us home. Just like that prodigal son in the Bible. But at the end of the day, we still are expected to live a life that is pleasing and acceptable to the most high. And even when we do live a life that is pleasing and acceptable to the most high we will experience certain pains but it's not the same kind of pain that comes from a decision that we weren't supposed to make of course we we grieve things we lose spouses we lose family members we lose sometimes children sometimes uh, just loved ones pets we lose jobs we lose opportunities we grieve things and so there is pain to be had that extends outside of disobedience as well, yes. But there is additional pain that compounds that given pain that comes along with just life circumstances when we decide to disobey God. We experience what God experiences. He says, his burden is light. It is. And his yoke is easy. Yes, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. But we create additional burdens for ourselves through the decisions that we make. And through the things that we align ourselves with. And I just wanted to make sure I took time to visit this and say this. Because I feel as though we can look out into the world and look on social media and it's always somebody prophesying. It's always somebody telling you how, how God has destined you to do this and destined you to do great things. He has. That's a given. But it's not speaking to the areas of our lives that need to be corrected. It's not speaking to the areas of our lives that need to be realigned with God's purpose and God's word. It's not speaking to the areas of our lives where we are not keeping those commandments. The Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything should be added unto you. Sometimes we take longer than we should to step into that relationship. But if we look at the Bible, God always came first. God always was first in terms of relationship he was first with adam before he got anything else he was first with adam he was alone with adam and then adam received everything else with the authority and the significant other david was alone with god first as a shepherd keeping the flock praying every day and as he continued to elevate there became a greater separation between him and God. As he attained more riches and more blessings, more authority, more, notor more notoriety, there became a separation from God. All, it, it all starts here. And I had an understanding for so long that as long as I go to church, 
you know, I'm a good Christian. Or as long as I treat people good, I'm a good Christian. And that's just enough. We tend to do just enough. We tend to do what we want to do. And then when we get into ruts and we get into situations that we feel are bigger than us, then we reach out for God opportunistically. And that's why I believe we're in a word that says, there are many who will do miracles in my name. And when they get to heaven, he will say, depart from me. Do I do not know you. As in, there's no intimacy here. There's no ambiguity into whether or not, it shouldn't be any ambiguity into, into whether or not you know that you have a relationship with God. Because that's just not true. And there's so many churches that I've heard preach that word to where you don't know if you're, you do. Get in your word. Get in God's promises in, in, in the Old Testament, in the portion of the Bible known as the Torah. Get into Matthew when Christ was walking and talking. And where, where Christ said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And where Christ also said, no man will see the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's telling you and telling us directly how to access his heart and how to access the things that are related to him and the blessings that are attached to him. He tells you exactly how to get there. There is no ambiguity. The only ambiguity that exists is the ambiguity that exists as a result of us not seeking the word out. Not going to find out how we're supposed to live and how to adjust. Nobody is perfect, but God embedded the capacity for us to be able to follow and keep his word in his grace just like we do in a relationship just like we meet people and are excited by them and, and are attracted by them and we feel the need or the compulsion to receive from them we have to strip ourselves down to the point through fasting through praying through submission through reading and understanding and learning the word of God we have to bring our spirit down to a point to where we first see our problems our issues we see what separates us from God first and foremost we see the areas of our lives that need those commandments to be applied we actually decide to commit to being consistent in those things which will automatically separate our us from our sin and automatically separate us from those things that God is not pleased by and as that relationship continues as God sees fit he will bless us he blesses his children just like he did with Adam he set up a whole garden gave him authority gave him a significant other God wants to bless us but we have to be obedient and I'm understanding that now there is a correlation between pain and disobedience I'm going to get back to what I was speaking of about vision and you know follow through and continue with that eventually but because of my perspective that I've been blessed with now and I've been given as a result of my disobedience in many areas that I, that I had before now. That I've been really just looking back over 
as I continue to consult and study the word of God, I see it. I see where we where I deviated. Even though I'm devoted in living according to God's word now. I look back over my life in areas where I wasn't and how much time I have lost. How much time I wasted doing things that didn't amount to anything. How much time I have spent on people who I don't even know anymore. How many family members I've lost. And didn't get the opportunity to spend the adequate amount of time with because I was distracted with other things. I was distracted with my own choices. Distracting with my own desires that didn't amount to anything. Caught up in the confusion of the enemy by my own hand. And I'm saying all this to say. Search your own heart. Look at the decisions that you're making. See yourself in what's happening in your life now. Just like the Bible says again, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Be honest with yourself. It's going It's probably going to be a painful process. First thing I did this morning when I woke up and it hit me was I cried. I cried Friday thinking about my grandmother and the pain she went through how much she sacrificed for us and our family and my mom and me and my sister and my brother the pain she experienced from losing the husband this pain she experienced from marrying a man who was not centered in God giving her virginity to this man having a child by this man and having to experience the pain of him being unfaithful and having a whole entire another wife down the street for a long time I looked at that and I only saw the betrayal that happened as a result of my grandfather choosing to behave the way he did but my grandfather was the same man from the time that my grandmother met him from the time that my grandmother left him and she married him he was not centered in God we attach ourselves to people sometimes and I made this mistake too we attach ourselves to people sometimes that take us away from God it seems like the right thing and my grandmother had to leave the whole state, move to another state, and marry someone else in order to really experience love and joy in the way that God had for her to experience love and joy. And his life was stolen as a result of something that he chose to do. He was a cigarette smoker, and he died of lung cancer. Prematurely, my grandmother was in love with this man because he treated her so good. He respected my grandmother. But their love together was cut short 
because of lung cancer, which could have been avoided. It's so, it is that serious. I see it now, every decision that we make, every decision that we make ultimately adds up to our future. Our future is comprised of today's decisions. Choose wisely, y'all. I'll close out in a word of prayer. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling, and to present us faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen.